Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Downton Gabby. Tonight, we're going to talk about episode six, season six. I don't know. Was it an interesting show? Was it a boring show? Was it an incremental (laughs) um, movement in the plot kind of show? Let's find out. I'm Teresa in Brooklyn. I'm Brandy in Los Angeles. And I'm Shannon in Oakland. And I vote for incremental storyline progress. This was one where it just kind of felt like we were checking in on everything, but nothing really happened. And also putting a few things into position, I think, for the final, you know, we're going up that roller coaster, going up, going up, going up. Highlighting some really bad behavior, you know, Daisy, Carson. Um, Before we get to that, I want to talk about something from last week's show, which was the great exploding ulcer caper. Um, I found an awesome article that answers a lot of the questions we had last week about how that scene was filmed. And I wanted to share some of the more fascinating things with you. Um, They only needed two takes to shoot the blood because apparently it takes an hour to reset the table with blood all over it. So Q Bonneville did that in two takes and that was done, which everyone was very excited about. Um, he, what a pro he is a pro uh, they had a doctor on set to advise on the color of the blood so his first vomit was a darker almost brown blood which had been sitting in his stomach and then his second vomit was a more bright red blood which was fresh blood that he was vomiting out <laughs> I find this totally fascinating I love it guys. yeah he was given a half a cup of blood each time to spew. And to this hold is, in his mouth until the moment came? Yes. Ugh. Exactly. Oh exactly. <laughs> it wasn't real blood. I mean, it was, you know. I mean, something. yeah, that's even worse. It's like corn syrup or something. Like, yeah, exactly. Gross. And this is the best part of all. They weren't expecting him to spew with such force and vigor to hit Cora. So when Cora got splattered <laughs> with blood... It was a total surprise. Love it. So the reaction so on her Elizabeth face. that's Elizabeth McGovern's real face. That is what <laughs> Elizabeth McGovern really looks like when someone spews blood all over her. Well, seems about Amazing. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love it. Thank so, you for the behind the scenes. I thought it was great. I, I do hope that Hugh Bonneville won't be too sad that he's going to be asked about this for the rest of his life. Right? <laughs> People are going to want him to talk about this scene forever. I have to say, I kind of enjoyed him holding court in bed this episode. I mean, he was totally delightful. And, uh, I mean, I love the scene with that little boy that wanders in and, you know, mothers. They're so dramatic. Oh, the cheeky rascal? Yeah. Yeah. It was a very sweet moment. I thought he was there to blackmail Mary. (laughs) He's either there to blackmail Mary or accuse Bates and Anna of murder. I thought that it was really fun that they like had their coffee up there and their sandwiches up there and they just like moved everything to that room. Although doesn't doesn't Lord Grantham look like a really neat and tidy sick person? Oh my god, I noticed that right? too. I was like, are they ironing his pajamas? <laughs> As he wears them. I've never seen anything so beautiful and clean in a sick room before. Yeah. All the bottles are tidied up near next to the bed instead of like, he should be swimming in like newspapers and books and Kleenexes. And I was also wondering, do you think he and Cora are having sex? Probably not right now. Yeah, he seems a little frisky. 
that crack about Mary in the bath. Yeah, that was that, that was weird. That, I was like, Julian, just don't <laughs> make it weird, you know? Yeah, that got really weird. Yeah. <laughs> I do think that um, Lord Grantham's a little loopy these days, huh? Yeah. <laughs> He's just loopy. not quite sure what to do with himself, and awkward things keep happening. You know, between between Lord Grantham being loopy and the whole House Hunters Yorkshire thing that happened there, <laughs> I mean, this is a hilarious episode. The fact that none of them have ever taken the time to, like, look at any of the stuff in their house. Yeah. Oh, my God. That none of them even know anything about the paintings was hilarious. Which was a little weird to me, too, because there was, like, a whole storyline last season about them being so proud of one of their paintings, right? So... I guess just the, these are the common everyday paintings that they don't pay any mind to. <laughs> My favorite line is in Cora's tour. This used to be the main room of an abbey. And someone says, oh, is that how Downton got its name? And Cora's like, oh, I never thought of that. <laughs> it was a truly comedic sequence, though. And it was delightful to have it. They should have just let Mosley give the tour. I mean, <laughs> oh, come that on. scene where he wants to like jump in and give the answer. To the name of a painter was priceless. No, he's going to go be a professor at Hogwarts. He's busy. You know what else was great about the house tour? The way Bertie got to step in and just sort of tell everybody what they needed to do. And they were all just dumbfounded by the fact that something would actually need to happen in order to make the thing happen. It was like, wait, (laughs) in order to put on an event, we have to actually do something. (laughs) I, I don't compute. This has something to do with inbreeding because I think Bertie is like he's not like 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 a direct you know earl or mm-hmm. anything, and and I think that that makes him a little smarter, just like Matthew I think was a little smarter. Well, even Tom didn't seem to realize that something would need to happen to make this event go. <laughs> it was just baffling. I thought they all looked a little too dumbfounded. I thought the directing was a little weird in that scene. It was like okay, you can understand that people need to go in groups. I mean, this is not beyond comprehension. (laughs) Did anyone else think it was sort of strange that Julian was making fun of the upstairs people? I don't remember another episode where he's made them look blatantly ridiculous. Or does Julian think that it's perfectly reasonable not to know anything about your riches in your house? Like, which is it? I'm trying to think of an example, and I don't think he's ever made... The Crawleys look this ridiculous. But sometimes, you know, there'd be some, you know, guest of the week who's um, too caught up in some tradition and is being an asshole, but not being dumb, right? Like, we've got our we've got our Larrys of the world, but I don't know if we have anyone who's been this clueless before, let alone the Crawleys being this cl- this clueless. Is this is this supposed to be a bookend to the scene in the in the first episode where they go? To that house that's selling all of its goods. Of just like you don't even know what you have. And then you might lose it. And then you have to find out how much it's worth. I don't know. To me that actually even makes it weirder. Because it seems like they would be paying very close attention to that sort of thing. These days. You know they would know exactly what's at stake. With all the conversations that they've been having. That's a good point. You know what I love? That there's a librarian. Oh my god, that was amazing! What? Isn't that amazing? Where are they keeping this librarian? He's away? He's away from Downton? Or is just like a, he comes, like he comes once in a while to Downton? Does he live there? I'm so confused about this librarian all of a sudden. Is is this a Hogwarts situation? Like, is this like a ghost librarian? (laughs) 
I don't, I don't understand. I don't know, but several people on Twitter Sunday night wanted to apply for the job of Downton Abbey librarian, and I think I would be one of them. Yeah, I mean, you just automatically picture, like, Belle in Beauty and the Beast, like, on her ladder right. swinging around. It's the dream for nerds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I have a question. So is the librarian closer to a servant or closer to a doctor status? I think he's, like, the doctor or their lawyer, maybe. I would think so, too, since he can come and go and we haven't seen him. I don't know if Julian knew how many questions we were going to have about the librarian when he threw in this, like, one line about librarian. It (laughs) rocked my world. It was just like, who cares about who Marigold's mother is? I gotta know about this librarian. Did you guys feel that this episode was, like, super meta? Like, the whole talking about how much money people are willing to pay to see the lives of this rich family. Right. Knowing that the producers have made um, several, um, I don't know, aircraft carriers worth of money uh, on this show. (laughs) It's a good point. I thought it was interesting. Interesting sort of self-referential thing. Definitely. Well, and it's also interesting that bookended with that is all these servants trying to pass tests or get the education or find the job that's beyond Downton. How so? Well, it's like here we are revering Downton that, oh my God, we all want to come look at it. And all and most of the servants in this episode are talking about how they're going to leave it for something better for them. Well, and I, I loved that most of the people that came in and saw everything weren't really that impressed you know (laughs) yeah they were like why do you need all this space what's even going on in here it's not very cozy (laughs) yeah (laughs) I really I really loved that reaction totally why do you need a large library and a small library I have that question and the painted room and the drawing room and this and that I mean it did sound very silly when it was all laid out what is the painted room? We've never seen the painted room. I'm pretty sure that's where the Cora and the Tan Man yep. were hanging out last year. Yep, oh, they walked through it. Right. I thought that was the small library. <laughs> See? No <laughs> one right. knows. Maybe they're interchangeable and even the, the pe- Crawleys themselves don't really know what to call all of the rooms they have. Well, in my Secrets of High Clear Castle viewing, they did talk about the smoking room, which is a room you never see on Downton Abbey, but it is a room in High Clear, which is yet another room with some couches and things. Sure. And a great question that was coming up on Twitter, where's, where is the dress storage room? Because mm-hmm. we finally realized that like there aren't proper closets in these bedrooms, right? The maids take everything and bring it. Right. So, is there, like, a whole dazzling walk-in closet somewhere as well? Where there's all the medium-smart dresses? That was the medium-smart dress. That golden aqua number. (laughs) I thought it was one of the best things she's ever worn. It was gorgeous. It was a gorgeous dress, but it looks kind of like the dress that Edith has had for two seasons already. In the same color scheme. Yeah. Just saying. Just saying. You're right. (laughs) Those are Edith's colors, you know? They are Edith's colors. I mean, they look great on Mary. I like Mary's wrap. Mary's sort of chinoiserie kind of wrap was pretty awesome. And keeps the rain off really well, apparently. I mean, what did you guys think of her rom-com moment in the rain? Okay, you guys know that I do not feel any chemistry between Mary and um, Henry. I have said this several times already. 
Even after watching them kiss, I still really don't see it. And I was discussing this with my friend Anne, who is also a big Downton Abbey fan and Downton Gabby fan. And she had a theory that I want to share with everybody, which is, we love Matthew Good. We think Matthew Good is dead sexy. We want to look at Matthew Good in every single episode. The only way to do that is to hook him up with Mary. Right. So we accept that he and Mary aren't like the greatest couple in the world, but it gets us Matthew good. So we're okay with it. Yeah, I just feel like I need her to give a little bit more chemistry because he's laying it on thick and I'm loving it. But she's was kind of a cold fish underneath. Who, that, that oily driver? Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> Only Edith would refer oh, to him as an oily A little driver. oil isn't bad, as we all know. I just, they have never had anywhere near the same taste in men. I mean, no. that's one thing they've never had to fight about. But Edith did throw some amazing shade of like, oh, you're going to that place I went on dates at like a year ago. Have fun, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> like, amazing shade. <laughs> she has no fucks left to give, Edith. She just doesn't. Yeah, She's no. done. But her and Bertie's kiss was so much better than Mary and oh. Mr. Yum Yum's kiss. Oh my god, yeah, so much hotter. I mean, it is it is true. Okay, I want I want Mary to have a tryst. I want her to sort of, you know, move on to a point in her life when she can imagine really being happy again because she seems so so dour this season, right? But when there's more chemistry f- coming from the dude who's running up the lane with his suitcases <laughs> right then then in this tunnel of love then you know the something's not quite working i think well at least she finally admitted that her first husband died in a car crash it's only taken 6 episodes <laughs> i know but then he was like yeah i totally already know that I- <laughs> I think I just didn't mention it and just keep talking about cars all the time because I'm an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> that was weird. Like, come on. Then if you already know that, why don't you ever shut up about your fucking car? Right. And then like Tom is pushing her. And... His obsession is getting a little weird. Like simmer down, Tom. Well, and I think it's totally shitty that like, okay, so he comes on this you know, I don't know, what is it, six single people? He's sitting next to this pretty girl. They never talk. It all, And then afterwards, it's just him, you know, basically being like his her wingman and then leaving and going drinking whiskey by himself. Like, I think he needs to get a love story of his own. I'm with, I'm with Becca, who is saying that, you know, he's been neutered. Really? Why, I would have liked to see him and Evelyn Napier go out on the town. Oh my god, you just want all these gay storylines. No, not necessarily a gay storyline, but I'm just like, you're going to go to all the trouble of bringing back the amazingly named Evelyn Napier, and then he has like two sentences, and then he's gone again. And did did you see the look on his face when uh, Henry and Mary walked off after dinner? Yeah, he's he's still pissy Uh, about that one, that's for sure. That's painful, painful. All right. Well, speaking of romance, did we uh, did we see the resurrection of Dickabelle in this episode? Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's weakening. I love that scene with Violet and Isabel. That was that's what we got so much last season, and this season has just been 
the dowager storming around. It's like, let's get back to girl talk. Yeah, and I love that even though they're pissed at each other about the hospital, like, well, the important thing is I still need the update about the boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no matter how mad we are about business. <laughs> yeah, that was really great. But, I mean, does anyone think that Miss Crookshank is up to any good at all? She's marrying Larry. I mean, I assume she must just be marrying him for money because he's awful. Yeah, he's completely so awful. So she's probably awful too, and I don't know what their scheme is, but it can't be good. I didn't think she was scheming. I'm so gullible. I was like, oh, finally, someone that just wants to be nice to Isabel. Maybe maybe I would buy that if she was actually seemed to be trying to get to know her, or if there wasn't just, there was just a tinge of going behind somebody's back about the whole thing. Right. So I don't know where this is going to go, but as long as it's more interesting than all the Dickie scenes we've had where he was just sort of sitting in the background of the hospital conversations. Right. I would, I would love to see them being cute again because it really was one of my favorite things of last season. Yeah. Well, speaking of the hospital, I guess it has come to its climax, sort of. But I am very, very glad that Cora has a job. Yeah. Yes. Even though she really needs a break from all that, you know, child rearing she did, you know, since we see, <laughs> we see how much Mary interacts with her son, so we can imagine how That is a taxing 20 minutes every day, okay? Yeah. Yeah, I'm very happy that Cora will have a job. I wish Robert was happy that Cora <laughs> will have a job. I mean, you pretty clueless to just be like, you don't need a job. Of course she doesn't need a job. Like, I feel like we've had this conversation so many times. Every time someone has an interest in Downton, people have to re-explain to Robert that just because <laughs> they could sit in the library 24 hours a day for the rest of their life, they might not want to do that. Well, so, and then the culmination of this whole thing is like Violet having an absolute shit fit in front of all the uh, village people. In public. You know she's mad when she's going to, like, have it out in front of the common folk, right? <laughs> yeah, that was spectacular. And rightly so. I mean, even if she's been crazy about this and and she was being, a you know, a sore winner when she thought she was the winner, like, they should have just told her right then and there instead of letting it drag out, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. She must have felt kind of humiliated by the whole thing. Yeah, I, I think as anybody would. So I understood both sides there, but overall it's just kind of like if they had, if Cora had just, you know, womaned up and just told her right then, <laughs> yeah. then yeah. they wouldn't have had to add to the already embarrassing series of events regarding <laughs> this open house. <laughs> but I guess the people got their money's worth, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> what's better than, you know, the Dowager Countess Grantham? Losing her I shit. thought she was going to hit her over the head with her cane. <laughs> totally. Well, I've never seen Cora move so fast as to when she <laughs> followed her outside. I mean, I think she is, you know, I think all of us women really hate when we know that someone doesn't like us because we all have this people-pleasing thing. And I've never seen her move that fast. And she did have a little bit of a desperate look in her face like, you know, I'm sorry. I don't want to be your enemy. See, but now I'm just worried because, you know, we were worried the Dowager was going to die. Then we decided it must be Robert. Now we know Robert's not going to die. Like, what if what if the Dowager has, like, a heart attack over this and, and Cora is all, you know, I can just picture the scene of Cora being like, she was angry with me at the end, like, and all of them. This isn't Breaking Bad. This is the Downton. We're going to end in a wedding. 
I know we're gonna. I'm pretty sure we're gonna end in a wedding. We've got a lot of potential weddings <laughs> on true. the horizon. I mean, I think we might end in like six weddings. But I'm I'm very worried that someone's gonna die before this, and it's either gonna be the dowager or I think you said, Shannon, that now you're worried that Thomas is gonna commit suicide. Which, I like, am. Ah, uh, if Julian goes that route, I mean, that is the laziest story you can tell about like a sad queer character who's misunderstood, uh. right? I mean, I know it happens, but in this context, with a character who's been living with this in the same place for you know 12 years 13 years now if that's where this arc ends for him i'm in a rage i will be traveling to england to knock on julian's door personally and tell him what i think of him if thomas's story ends with him dead from suicide oh yeah the the tragic gay man killing himself is just it's been so done like come on we don't need any more of those narratives. No, boyfriend for Barrow. Boyfriend for Barrow. That's what we need. We also need job for Barrow. I have this theory that Birdie's uh, cousin, the one who's in Tangier all the time, I mean, he's gay, right? That's what all that, that was in, is about. That was implied, yeah. Yeah. I mean, doesn't he need an underbutler or something? Ooh, yeah, that would be great. Maybe right? Birdie can make it happen. I just think that this whole Thomas thing in this episode, you know, last week I was so excited that he was going to teach Andy how to read and blah, blah, blah. And now, of course, everyone thinks they're doing something sorted up in his room. And the whole thing felt very forced and weird. It felt very out of character for Mrs. Patmore to be tattling to Carson about something. Mm-hmm. Like, it But just, I feel like I remember uh, during the Jimmy thing that she was concerned. Was she? I just, I, I feel like she'll give, she would give a little bit of a benefit of the doubt to people, or at least speak more directly to them. It's, I think it was the actual going to Carson without doing any more, like, investigation or checking in with anyone that felt very strange to me, particularly when Carson's being such an asshole about literally everything. Like, I cannot. Why would you want to confide in him and trust him to do the right yeah. thing about anything at this point? Yeah. Also, if Mrs. Hughes wasn't so busy dealing with her asshole of a husband, I'm sure she would have had time for a little sit down with Mrs. Patmore and they would have talked it through and figured out what I to can't do. believe we had to re- basically watch the same scene again of him being an I asshole to her about the dinner. I can't handle this scene. I cannot handle these scenes. This is like my worst nightmare at this marriage. Unless this ends with her clocking him with a frying pan, <laughs> I mean, I cannot. There, Something has to go down in the next episode. Because I don't understand why we're having to yeah, what is the point? see all of this. What is the point? You made us get all sappy about this marriage, and now we have to just watch her be belittled by this man who doesn't do anything on his own and won't even let her drink? I mean, my God. If I'm going to have to put up with you criticizing my dinner, at least give me a fucking glass of wine. She didn't even get to eat her salmon. This really bothered me. <laughs> yes. It really bothered What's next? Oh, the crispy duck? And he kept being like, oh, the way Mrs. Patmore does it, blah, blah, blah. It was awkward. Like, do you wish that you married Mrs. Patmore? Yeah, is this what you think marriage is? I mean, uh, I don't know. It's just, and I hate the image of him sitting there and she brings it to him and I just hate it. I did love her little line with when he was like, have you talked about it with Mrs. Patmore? And she's like, oh, yes, we've discussed the joys of serving you dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Which, again, also, doesn't. 
Doesn't Mrs. Patmore say to Mrs. Hughes, you knew he was too old to be trained as a husband? Yes, that was great too. But it's also like, is that training to be a husband or just being a decent person? Yeah, Carson needs to get on board. I just want to be on record that I was against this relationship from the start, from the fucking feet in the ocean. You're on the record. You are on the record. Why? Meanwhile, on the, on the flip side, Mr. Mason and Mrs. Patmore just like exchanging thank you cards. Like, it's like if someone sends you a thank you card and then you like thank them for the thank you card. And then, like, and then they stand your vegetables. <laughs> and you send them something you made with the vegetables. And... I mean, look, if a guy decided that what he really had to offer me was a bouquet of radishes, I guess I'd take the radishes. What is Daisy's problem? I don't understand what is so threatening to her. Daisy's character has been so fucking inconsistent. It doesn't make any sense. You know, I mean, I just feel really bad. Mrs. Patmore looks so pained in her face during all these scenes. And it's like, remember when she said like, Daisy, you're like a daughter to me. And she like paid for her schooling and stuff. And it's just like, Daisy just yeah. doesn't want her to be happy. It's just so fucked up. I hate this storyline. I mean, it feels very much like my, uh, my mom has a new boyfriend and I'm not getting enough attention, but I guess it's on like both sides because it's like, I, I, I don't know. I, I can kind of understand her feeling weird about the situation, but not acting so bitchy about it. Especially when they haven't even done anything except for literally, like, talk about a, a picnic. I don't know. Maybe she feels weird. It's like her mom and her dad, sort of. But it, but she's being so mean. I don't like the mean girl behavior. I don't know. Daisy, she's, she's stressed out about her exams or something. She doesn't seem to be appreciating... How much help she's gotten from everyone to get to where she is. So I hope that when that part is over and she knows that she, you know, is moving on to something better and bigger than Downton, that she can finally appreciate everything everyone has done for her. Yeah, she's acting like an ungrateful, spoiled child. And it's like, you know, leave that to the, the Grantham kids. Yeah. And again, like, given this timeline, Daisy's gotta be like 30. So she really needs to, like, get it together. It was so weird when she was putting that picture of William up and smiling. It's like, remember she did not want to marry him? And it was, like, such a pity marriage. And it's so weird. Well, I can't explain it because she's been so inconsistent. Okay, here's my, here's my concern about Mosley. That he's been doing all this awesome work with Daisy. And even the schoolmaster thinks that he has potential and he's going to have him take an exam, and all I can think of is a cricket match. Like, how he's going <laughs> to blow this somehow, because Aww. I really want Mosley to do well and be happy. Oh, he's going to do great. Look, they're going to get rid of their footmen. They've already been talking about it. He's going to go be a schoolmaster, and it's going to teach I, kids magic. I really, really hope so, magic. but do you know what I fear? Have you guys seen broadcast news? Yeah. The scene where Albert Brooks's character oh, finally yes. gets his chance to be an anchor. Yeah. <laughs> I I fear the I fear the the flop sweat. Yeah. So I hope that's not where they're going with this, but you know, that's that's a real concern. Well, I definitely think it's over between him and Baxter. I don't think he's gonna get love. They just they don't seem I think they'll be friends. I, yeah, I feel like the actual romance potential has waned a little bit with the two of them. 
But overall, like, the arc of Mosley is him finally forming some real relationships there instead of just being the butt of everyone's jokes, right? So she fits into that. I think he'll get something as, like, his prize at the end, and I think it's going to be this job. Well, fingers crossed. And ligaments crossed. Ligaments crossed. Was anyone else continuingly dazzled by Julian's medical knowledge? I mean, she basically got a prescription for kegels. <laughs> right? Like, what? She just made up Something stuff. to do with the ligaments. What was even the point of this? Like, just to remind us that Anna's uterus is still cooking up a bun? I mean... No, it's just to get Mary up to London. We were saying that this episode felt very incremental in a lot of storylines. Like, this was literally like, and remember, Anna's still knocked up. You know? Like, we get it. Like, you don't have to check in with every single thing. But, but, but Bates wants to pay for it this time. That's the new twist. How does Bates have savings? Didn't they blow every penny that they had with his legal defense? Well, he, he killed his first wife. There's... there's... <laughs> There was money in the banana stand, the house that they owned, remember? I just want to see Bates, like, it's it's the dead of night, like, lightning crashing, and he's out, like, digging up his buried treasure somewhere. <laughs> I mean, where is all this money coming from? <laughs> all that regimental silver that he right. never exactly after stealing exactly. it. I, I don't know how he can afford to pay the doctor. That's outrageous. It's a Harley Street physician. I'm sorry. <laughs> he can't do that. It's ridiculous. <laughs> anyway, but good for him. Bless his heart. Good for him. And let's hope that next week, I don't know, some we get some real developments in some of these storylines. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to have exams. So Daisy and Mosley are both going to take exams. Going to have car races. There's going to be a car. Did you think that they kept inviting them to Brooklyn? Or is that just me? It's Brooklyn. So it's the name of the it's the name of the race, I think. Okay. You were just well, I mean, we have been wanting a trip to America for a while, so you know. So everyone's gonna go to Brooklyn's and it's gonna be really nervous. I, I don't see this going in any way that's gonna be perfectly pleasing to me at this point. So, okay, they're going to Brooklyn's. Cora's going to start work at the hospital. And maybe Miss Crookshank is going to, I don't know, tell us more. And I think we're very close to Bertie knowing about Marigold. She seems on the verge of telling him, right? So I hope that we do get to see that. And I hope it doesn't result in a breakup. I feel like he's better than that. I don't know. I just, you know, team Edith, we worry. Yeah, it's so. true. Keeps us up at night. Julian had said that um, Edith and Molesley were both losers. And I just keep that thought close to my heart. And I have concern. Yeah. I mean, it's the final season. I don't know. I feel like we could veer either direction. We could veer towards happy endings for all of these things are getting set up. Or we could veer real dark, depending on how Julian felt that day that he turned in the final <laughs> script. <laughs> I mean, I just don't know what to expect. This is the guy who killed Matthew Crawley on Christmas fucking day, okay? Well, it, because the actor wanted to leave. I mean... He didn't mean to kill him! Yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah, he did. That's what you do. You kill him, so they can't come back. Ultimately, this is a happy ending kind of show. Also, I think Julian is like a gentleman... And he's going to want things to turn out okay. I'm worried. I'm getting an ulcer. 
All right. Uh, what do you all think is going to happen next week? We would love to hear from you. Tweet us your predictions. Uh, let's move on to one fabulous thing. My one fabulous thing is going to be short because as we are recording on Monday night, it hasn't actually started yet, but it starts tonight. And that is Samantha B's new show, Full Frontal with Samantha B. I am just excited to see her back on TV. You know, she's always my favorite thing about The Daily Show. I really wanted her to be the new host when Jon Stewart left. And I'm glad that the reason she didn't take the gig is because she wanted to do her own thing. So I'm, I'm really excited to see how that all works out. And I'm sure it'll be great no matter what. I just... I think she's fantastic. The segments that I've seen, yeah, they've been posting a bunch of short segments that she's done, and they've been fantastic, like really sharp. So I'm also very excited about this. Yeah, I mean, I'm just expecting her to bust up late night. That's the constant headline I keep seeing. Like, you've never seen tits on late night on that side of the table, so it's going to be totally different. And I hope it is, but I'm ready for more details than that headline. Yeah, I do think that she is established enough in not just a comedy career, but this particular thing of being part of a a late night show that it's, I, I get it, like, it's like, oh, a woman doing it, but she's, I mean, Chelsea lately was on for a long time. It's notable that there aren't any women on right now, but it's not like it's, you know, the first man on the moon or something like that. We could just talk about it as, like, a talented person getting a new show, and I would be fine with that. But it's so different because she's a woman. Well, yeah, what if she bleeds all over the seats? Well, here's hoping. All right, well, my one fabulous thing is uh, a film. It's been out for a long time, uh, and it's been nominated for some Oscars. But if you haven't seen the film Room yet, I really urge you to go see it. Room is, I think, my favorite film of 2015. I've seen it twice. If you've read the book and are worried that they won't get the voice of the kid right, let me tell you, they do an amazing job. If you haven't read the book and the idea of the film, which begins with a woman being you know, captive by a kidnapper, if that sort of creeps you out and makes you uncomfortable, do not let that stop you from seeing the movie. It is a wonderful film, and there is a lot of joy in it, and the acting is amazing, and I can't say enough great things about Room. Brie Larson is really excellent in the lead, and the little boy is played by the most adorable little boy that has ever existed, Jacob Tremblay, who is a Canadian actor, and he's so cute, and he's been making all the talk show rounds. And uh, he's going to be presenting at the Oscars. I can't wait because I'm in love with him. Uh, so if you haven't seen Room yet, go see it. I'm dying to see it. So it's awesome. Um, I'm switching things up. My one fabulous thing this week is a book that I just read. I read The Girl with All the Gifts um, by M.R. Carey, who's actually, he writes a lot of the X-Men comics and has written some screenplays, but he's mainly been in the comic world and then wrote this book. That is awesome and creepy and gory and really, really makes you think. It, um, it starts off with a little girl in a very strange type of classroom and a kind of in this very medical place and you're very confused of what is happening. And then as it unfolds and you learn more, it is very surprising and very awesome and really different. And I guess the movie will be coming out next year. So... Um, 
I loved it. I highly recommend it. And I can't really talk about it because as soon as you start talking about it, you give everything away. It's that good. It's not as good as Illuminae, which was my top book of the last year, but it's really close. Also, the main two characters are women. Female writers, you can write female characters that we will respond to. It's great. Yeah, actually, three main characters are women. Two of them hero-type characters, and one is a fantastic villain who I did see is going to be played by Glenn Close, which I think is going to be great. Awesome. Um, cool. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how much they show in the movie because it is quite intense in parts. Now I'm intrigued. I like it when people's book recommendations are basically... I can't tell you anything about this book. Just read it. That's like my favorite recommendation. <laughs> and I read, that's what I read in the reviews. And I was like, okay, well, I'm really interested. And, you know, I, of course, want to tell you everything because I am bad at secrets. But I'm really holding back because the unfolding of the story is why it's so great. Like, you're confused in the beginning. And that's the point, you know. And then as you learn more, it's it's a really different take on a on, a, on a, a type of story you've seen a lot. Awesome. Okay, I'm going to stop there. <laughs> just, just read it. <laughs> All right, well, thank you for listening to another episode of Downton Gabby. We will be back next week. In the meantime, you can find us on Twitter at Downton Gabby, on Tumblr at DowntonGabby.tumblr.com, and at Facebook, just search Downton Gabby, and we'll be there. We'd love to hear from you during the week, and we'll be back Sunday night live tweeting episode 7, and we'll see you next week. Today to keep you company.